110 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody, to Buckeye Bar Guys here on Buckeye Bar Talk. I'm Mike. And I'm John. And tonight's date is uh, Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Um, Real quick, we are going to go over just real quick the rankings uh, that just released a little bit ago, uh, just real fast, uh, and then we will get into the debacle of debacles of what was past Saturday was in this doomy, gloomy few days after Thanksgiving that the Buckeyes have given Buckeye Nation. So, um, first of all, uh, rankings uh, uh, Georgia, Michigan. Um, TCU, USC, Ohio State, and Alabama's your top six. We're only going to do the top six because that, that, that's all that's in play. Versus, that's all that's going to be in play. So Ohio State still has uh, an outside shot to make the playoffs. Um, you know, USC plays Utah. TCU plays um, Kansas State. I would say if USC loses, Ohio State is definitely in. If TCU loses, it's probably, in my opinion, it's a 60-40. Ohio State's in. Um, but, you know, you could get TCU as a little stronger of a schedule. You know, they play, they're going to play the final weekend in a conference championship game. So they have one more win than Ohio State. So, I mean, there's a couple of things that they could get the benefit of the doubt over. I mean, it's call me cynical or whatever, like you want, but sometimes I think the bigger brands uh, win out the day in these ones. That's why I would give Ohio state the edge. Um, you know, it is, you know, you are making television shows as Bo Bishop always likes to say. So like that, that's just kind of my opinion on that one. Um, before I kick it over to you real quick, I just want to, my quick thought on this is that I just, you know, I've said over the last couple of days, I kind of didn't want them to get into the playoff just because of what happened over, you know, on Saturday. But then I thought back to, you know, my opinions back in 2017 and 2018, especially 2018, when I remember a lot of the fan base were saying they didn't want to get in because they didn't want the defense to embarrass them. And I was always say, you never give up your chance to play for a national championship. If you're going to get that chance. And that's how I feel in reality. And uh, if Ohio State gets into this playoff, you know, I accept it that, you know, I want them to go win the title. But I will say a couple things, you know, assuming Georgia wins, you're going to play Georgia, you know, unless both TCU and USC would lose, then, you know, that might be a different situation. But you're, you're going to play in Georgia. You just can't get embarrassed by Georgia. You know, unfortunately, win or lose, you got to look good. Like you have to really look good in that game. Yeah. And, and if you play Michigan in this playoffs, whether it's in the national championship game or if somehow you get up to three, assuming they win, you know, if somehow you play Michigan in this playoffs, it's not all, it's no, there's no losing in it. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't right just game. look good. You got to win. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't care if they look bad the whole game and they win on some miraculous hail Mary at the last play of the game. 
you got to come out with the victory on that one. I mean, like you cannot lose in the way that they've lost the last two years to Michigan and then somehow lose to Michigan in the national championship game. Like, you know, like there is no way to get that one back and that one will always be held over your heads. The only way you could get it back is like, you, you know, you can't even just beat them in a playoff. You have to beat them in the national championship game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when the, with the, it going to 12 teams here in a few years, that's going to be more and more unlikely as time goes on, because, you know, it would be very hard to think that both of them could make it through an entire playoffs and uh, meet each other in the final game. But I mean, it could happen, but it's, it's less likely than, you know, Ohio state, you know, winning one game and then playing them in the national championship. So my thoughts on it that, you know, if, if you get there, that's fine. You know, you're going to be an underdog to Georgia. Don't look like crap because, you know, and that's just going to, if you get blown out by Georgia, that's just going to leave the bad taste that's in everybody's mouth right now. It's going to be a lot worse and you can't lose the Michigan because if you lose the Michigan, the bad taste in your mouth is going to be even, I mean, I mean, that's bad, real bad taste. That's like, I'm sorry. That's not a, that's not a good taste in any imagination. You, you just say crap. So, like, right. you know, like, so yeah, my thoughts just, you want to quickly give your thoughts about, you know, the chances of possibly being in the playoff. And obviously if they make the playoff, there will be a show next week. And we will be talking about them making the playoff, but uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we would get more into depth at that point, but you know, just, quick thoughts on this um i mean I, I don't think i really need to dissect it any more than you did i will add some thoughts so the um call afterwards with the chairman boo corrigan uh it was interesting his wording i think he said that all games are being counted as a body of work which i i, I think that kind of <laughs> is kind of like building in and out to put Ohio state or Alabama into the playoffs. So, I mean, usually you would say, you know, Hey, we're going to consider that these guys are playing an extra game. Those guys are sitting home, but the way he made it sound was that, you know, they are considering everything a part of a rolling season. So if you lose, you still lose and it still looks bad against you. So I thought that was interesting. Um, he did mention that USC's at number four, just because of the margin of their loss was only one point. Ohio state's was 22. So again, if Ohio state played a closer game, would they still be number four right now? I'm not sure about that, but it sounds like, you know, they're trying to give Ohio state kind of the benefit of the doubt or Alabama, Last interesting point was it's the weirdest thing. He said that Alabama and Ohio state could still switch spots. So I think that only means if LSU plays a really good or beats Georgia because they beat Alabama in the head to head very close or if Michigan outright loses the game, I think maybe those that's the only way five and six can flip there and Alabama could get ahead of Ohio state. I feel like Ohio state's safely in front of Alabama, but it's interesting that he did say that because it doesn't make a lot of sense why you would have one five and one six right now when either one's playing this week and you say they could still be flipped um, kind of to go just real quick. What you said though, like if they do back in and they play Michigan, it's like I said, you could win the game 30 times in a row if you lose the michigan in a national title game you're never going to erase that so (laughs) like 
Like you said, like people said, like the great prophet Tathan Martell said, if you're going to try to get, if you're going to, don't swing and miss a second time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, that's definitely true. And, you know, I'm losing three times in two years, oh. with, you know, you're going to be on the road next year. I mean, this series and multiple times have been a, a series of streaks and stuff like that. And you're kind of putting yourself on a weird streak right now that, you know, you almost have to win. You have to win the game next year in Michigan. But if you get this opportunity, you have to win this opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, and going off what the committee has been saying, I, I read the stuff that uh, Corrigan said, but the way I've always looked at the committee, they will find whatever excuse they need to make whatever work. If a team is there and they want that team in, they'll make the excuse for them. Like if, if, you know, if TCU loses a close, if USC loses, Ohio State's definitely in. But if USC wins and TCU loses a close game and that drops TCU to four and they want Ohio State in at four, they're just going to come back and say, well, you know, yeah, Ohio State's only loss was the number two team in the nation. And yes, they did uh, give up those two bad touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but they were selling out to stop the run. And, you know, those are, those are football plays. You know, somebody breaks a line of scrimmage. We've seen this, we've seen this before. And, you know, you have to take, it's not just the end of the day score. It's the score going into those two plays. And, you know, people might be rolling their eyes at that, but I could see the committee saying something like that, that, you know, that basically they, they forget those last two touchdowns. If it means that they want Ohio state in the, this playoffs, they'll forget that those last two touchdowns happen. Right. And, uh, no, I get that. And so, you know, that's just my, my thoughts on it, but you know, all right. You know, so <sighs> what happened? So, you know, obviously second straight year, they got embarrassed. I, I, and this is not an excuse for the Buckeyes. Cause you know, as I get going, I will, you know, I almost uh, parts of me think that this year's loss was worse than last year's loss. Like actually yeah. a lot of parts of me think that way. I've seen a lot of things going around that they are, that this team is a soft team that, you know, we're all, we're just a finesse team. We are completely soft. I, I felt last year we were soft, you know, this year, you know, Michigan only had one really long drive, you know, the, the, they had those all the whole second half last year, you know, they, they kicked their butt on, five breakout plays that they scored on long touchdowns. And so maybe Ohio state is not as mentally tough as where they need to be on the physical side of it. I didn't think they were soft this year. Does that think that this game was a better game than last year? No, because you know, we were the home team this year um, for whatever reason. And I will get into, you know, some things later on a couple stats for the umpteenth time now it seems like that uh you know ryan day gets into against a better team in his you know tenure at ohio state and you know he's the offensive guru and they can't get to 30 points you know we've seen that now how many times that is starting to get like a trend that i'm not liking at all you know was jim Knowles too aggressive in this game yeah probably but yeah. you know i don't i get more mad of his aggressiveness in the last two touchdowns and I give the aggressiveness and the three, uh, you know, breakout touchdowns. I get it that, you know, the one was a blown tackle. you got to make that tackle. The other two were bad, bad coverages. Um, but he didn't want them to run on him. I get that. 
And at the end of the day, the, the blown know, tackle, the ten, when you're up 10 to three, I mean, it makes no sense to do an all out cover zero blitz there. It really doesn't. I mean, it's a third and 10. Like there's, there's no point to do that. I get it. I think the, the credit, I the, just the thing I want to give him is that at the end of the day, they should never have even been in position to have those last two touchdowns ran on them because uh, you got to expect that your, your offensive minded head coach with the weapons that they can, that they can get the 30 something points. And mm-hmm. that just changes the whole trajectory of the game. After that first series, they couldn't do anything in different parts of the game. They, they would do some stuff like they were real. I mean, chip training was dominating this game. Like they forgot he existed. It seemed like in the second half, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison, like did they throw it to him any, I mean, they did throw it to him in the second half. Did they? I mean, I don't remember a couple. It just seems yeah. Like, not many, but a like, couple, I think of that one, the drive that was first and 35 that, you know, for whatever reason, they did a short toss on the first play there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they followed it. The second play up was a throw to Marv, I think. And I know, and, you know, and G Scott screwed him on that one, but they have plays in this playbook where you can get 10 to 15 yards on a pass play. You don't have to go try to get all 35 yards back at once, but they should have been, you know, if they go three straight 10 yard pass plays, you know, that puts them, you know, at fourth and five. That's if where they, they go. That's where they were. Yeah. If they end up with maybe one of them as a 15 yard pass play, well, you just got the first out. So like, <laughs> yeah, know, I know there are plays like that in the playbook. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It was just the whole thing is the first half was going on. You know, I was getting, I was not nervous going into this game. Like, like that was weird. Like I am like, I feel really good about this game. And then they go right down the field and score on them. And it just seemed like that, that there was a lot of things they did. seemed like they did on the first series that they didn't do anymore for the rest of the game. Like they were mixing up a lot of different formations and then they just kind of, they kind of got stuck in the mud then at different points. And it's like, this is just a game that they should have been able to get over 30 points and they didn't. And when you keep a team like Michigan in it, and they start hitting those big plays and, you know, yeah. And I think Knowles should have, tr- after the broken tackle, it's one thing to go after a zero blitz down 10, three. And I get your point. I like the aggressiveness though, in that spot, he probably should have started backing off a little bit after that. I'd be like, you can give up one big touchdown, but try not to give up any more for the rest of the game. And, you know, that, you know, he was still too aggressive throughout, um, so, I mean, a lot of blame to go around, but I, part of me where last year I was really mad at the defense. I, this year is like a lot of the offensive stuff. It just, you know, really bothered me to the point that I'm just like, you know, like this should not have been, we should have had a much higher score than we ended up with this year. And especially after the first series we had yeah. and how a couple of the series were going, they, I mean, how many times is like they, it was nothing to get to the 50 or to the 50, 40 yard line. And it's like, then just then the stuck in the mud, bad penalties. I mean, and it was more bad penalties than just the G sky. I mean, that was the one that you think of, but I mean, Couple again, false starts and a hold. Kate Stover had an unsportsmanlike. I think Javante John Baptiste had an unsportsmanlike. Like it yeah. was, it was an ugly game. Couple plays again, some drop passes in there that should not have been like, you know, 
I mean, and, and it's a great play that the, the Michigan kid makes on Stover to knock the ball out in the end zone. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, you know, but he's got to catch that. He's got his hands he's on got, it. Yeah, he's got to hold his hands strong. He needs to start. It seemed like he held it out too far out in front of him too long. He needs to get that thing moving into his body a lot quicker. You know, the one that he drops on the one fourth down play, you know. Yeah, he had a, only one hand on it, but Stroud put that in the best position for him. When you go back and kind of look at it, you know, at first I'm like, eh, did Stroud put it a little too out far for him? No, he didn't. He put it in only the spot that he could catch it. Throw your second arm out there and catch the ball. Like, I know you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I did watch a breakdown where someone said Stroud could have thrown that more to the middle of the field and put a little bit more air under it. Still, though, you got your hand on it. I don't like the play call to begin with. I thought, I mean, it was open, so it, I think it was an effective play call. But at the same time, I think, like, someone pointed it out, and I looked at it. I'm pretty sure they don't have a single wide receiver on the field when they call that play. Like, yeah. your best freaking part of your offense are the receivers that Brian Hartline gets you. And you're just being too cute on a fourth and two and you're taking them out. And I understand like your tendency has been all year that you run that ball. So Michigan's going to sell out to stop the run, which they did. So it, it was executed fine. Well, I'm sorry. It was called fine execution. Wasn't there though. I still think though, you don't need to get all like, I don't, sometimes I feel like Dave just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and I don't want to go after him too hard on that. But I just think right there, like, why do you take your receivers off the field? They're the best part of your offense. You know, and then you think about like situations like that, you know, when Urban Meyer is the head coach and and Tom Herman's here and stuff like that, what do they do in that type of situation? They don't pack even he could be fourth and one third and one. He always has receivers on the field and he always pushes them as far out as he can because that at least keeps the corners out of there. Yeah. And you know, and you have you have numbers then at that point, whether you go to the running back, if they try to bring the corners in a little tighter, well, and then you run a, uh, like a safety. If they bring the safeties up, then you have a receiver that can run to the middle of the field on a slant pass, or, you know, you, you have the ability to run the ball. You know, some of the, like, you know, they were dominating this game, running the ball. And like, they went away, like train him. I mean, he looked like he was untackable at times. And like, like, I just like, and I think the one thing about Ryan day that sometimes frustrates me about him. I love the ability that he can kind of, uh, you know, throw a very multiple types of offenses at him. You know, urban Meyer was just different. He was like, you know, if something was working for my, he would run it a hundred times in a row if he had to, he, yeah. and he didn't give a crap. And like, you know, his, his thought process was like, just stop it. And like, you know, kind of those runs with chip training, I would have given him the ball every time. Like, you know, if he's going to be popping off between five and eight yards a pop and like, okay, like I'm going to get a first down every two plays. Let's go with it. Yeah. And you know, you bring everybody up. I mean, it, it felt like they forgot about the run game. I, I think a lot, I got a, like another issue a day. I just don't feel like, <coughs> excuse me. I don't feel like he always just has a good feel for the flow of the game. Like he does things at work and then he immediately goes away from him. Like, like what you're kind of saying, urban Meyer will say, Hey, if I can run, you know, if I run this off tackle for six yards, a carry, I'm going to run it 
until you show me consistently that you can stop it, then I'll go to plan B. Then I'll go to plan C. But he's going to say, but you're going to have to stop what I'm doing best right now before I'm going to do something else. And it's just like it's scattered brain sometimes with our play calling that it's just like people say that Ryan Day's too pass happy. I've always thought that Ryan Day, at least not always, sorry. The last two years, I have felt Ryan Day has been obsessed with trying to achieve some sort of play calling balance between running the ball and passing the ball to a fault that it doesn't make sense that when you're doing something well, you don't need to go away from it. Like I understand you're trying to keep the defense off, you know, on their toes, whatever, but you don't need to just trick them. You like, you could just be better than them. Ohio state is better than a lot of teams. Like teams can know Ohio state's going to throw the ball. You got enough crap going on. You got enough good receivers that one of them is going to get open. I mean, and I think we get caught in this place that, you know, where there too many passes downfield, where there are too many close passes, where there are too many tosses, where there are too many inside runs. I don't know. I mean, it seems, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we all can chirp on like, Oh, he's doing too much of one thing. In reality, it's just like, maybe he's doing too much of everything. Like just find what works and go with it. Like, I think literally, cause they kind of go in the first half after the first series, they kind of go away from not. I mean, they did have a little bit of tempo in there, but they kind of go away from the tempo that they used on the first series. Like he could have literally used that script that he had for the first series. Well, don't they, don't they use tip tempo on that third and three toss to chip that, was horribly blocked and yeah, maybe I don't, he gets tripped up. I, yeah. But I mean, they were using tempo after every play on that, on that opening series. It felt like, you know, and I could be wrong about that. I haven't rewatched. I think game. typically you get um, a first down and then you can go tempo after that. So yeah, they might've so, been like, and I just feel like that he could use that whole script just went tempo and Michigan wasn't ready to adjust to it yet. They were moving the ball. Just go that whole first script and just run it over for the whole first half and then throw it away for the second half. If you think Michigan's going to be ready for it, but if they would have just did that, they're probably up 28 to 10 at halftime. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I mean, mean, so here first half, here's the, the, the two takeaways really from the first half for me, you should have absolutely been able to put them away. You were the better team out there. You didn't, but they only scored on Two fluky, not fluky, but let's face it. I mean, two broken plays that were huge gains. One, like we said, was that cover zero blitz that Cam Brown missed the tackle, not going after the kid. You just, you got to be able to make the tackle, get him out of bounds. Jack Sawyer did not give the, um, he didn't give the best effort to get over there on that play until the guy caught it and he broke free of cam. Then Jack started sprinting, but it was kind of too late then again, not trying to go after kid. the other one. I mean, I felt like the defense kind of called the right play there. Maybe JJ had too much time to throw the ball. It was just an arm punt, but um, I mean, who, who was the corner Burke? It seemed like he, you know, he, he gave Johnson to the safety, which I thought he was supposed to, but then Cam Martinez got put in a blender and yeah, I just, and that's another, like Cam Martinez hardly has played this year. <laughs> like why, why is he out there for that play? Yeah. I mean, Cam, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. It's just like, I don't, there was a lot of things. And, and this, my fear of this episode was, we we're going to leave with more questions and answers. And I think we're going to do that. Yeah. 
I mean, Burke made the right call on that one. They, they had a guy coming he did what he his was supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, he has to take the outside guy because if he goes, if he goes to the inside with, uh, yeah, is it what Cornelius Johnson? Is that his name? Yeah, Cornelius Johnson. If they go, if he goes to the inside with Johnson, you know, there's no way Martinez gets to the outside to be able to cover, you know, that uh, that the player that was moving. I can't remember if it was another receiver or if it was a running back coming out of the backfield. <clears throat> there's no way he gets to the outside to cover that guy. But he might make a tackle. Like he might be able to get an angle and make the tackle. But it's still a huge game possibly a touchdown, you know, but Cam Martinez just can't be on an Island by himself. You know, I much would have, if that would have been McAllister, I would have felt probably a little bit better, you know, but that's a hard play for any safety to make. So I don't know if any of them could have made the play. I mean, yeah. it's almost that you have to kind of just like kind of stay where you're at, let him catch the ball and then just tackle him. Like trying to do too much. Like you're trying to do, I mean, a safety is going to have a very hard time playing that, but like what just what I was saying, if they would have just kept on just forcing the issue on Michigan's defense, I think they would have got to the point. Let's say even the 17 points are still there. You know, there's no reason to me. I don't think I think Ohio State could have very easily have scored 28 to 35 if they just had the same mindset as they did on the first series. Yeah, that, I, I don't then, disagree with that. And then th that's just a different game going in the second half. Knowles can back up a little bit. They can still, you know, I mean, you, you get a heavy dose of chip train them and Marvin Harrison, when you need first downs and, you know, Knowles plays a different style of defense where he keeps, he finally brings that third safety in uh, much more consistently. And, you know, and JJ McCarthy has to really throw the ball and he's going to have to really throw it against real coverage. And so, you know, and he did not, you know, that first quarter, he did not look good. Like, you know, so mm -hmm. like he, he just got lucky on a couple where he got coverage breaks on them. So, you know, I guess it is what it is. It's just, you know, your offense, you know, Jim Knowles, I think, especially after that first series, he's probably like thinking like, you know, if, you know, we're going to go right through him like butter and, you know, so yeah, I'm going to force some turnovers in this game and we're going to, we're going to blow him out. And, you know, he got caught up and Ryan day got caught up and, you know, they kept the game too close into the first half and still not an excuse of what happened in the second. half. No, I mean, because I'm like, going to, I'm going to say this. I mean, and I understand like, I don't, I don't know what could have happened in halftime for them to come out. And like, I don't know if just dejected what, if it was that first touchdown that they gave up, just killed them because, Michigan kind of did it similar to how they did it last year. But even still, Michigan only scored on two busted plays. You were handling them defensively. And you're still up 20 to 17. Like you started that half off three, nothing with one of the most prolific offenses in college football, like even if they do score on you, you should have no fear, nothing like nothing should be holding you back. You should have no nerves going into that whatsoever. You have a three nothing lead going into that second half. You got 30 minutes to play. You got a good defense yourself and you have a really great offense. And it's just so, I mean, that, that was my takeaway from the first half. I mean, I don't do you want to break it down anymore before talking about the second half? No, I mean, we, we hit the things. I mean, they, 
you know, they look good. I mean, an unbelievable throw by, you know, uh, CJ to Marvin Harrison for the touchdown. CJ uh, made some really great pro ready throws in yeah. this game. I mean, and but we'll kind of get that into the second half here, mm-hmm. you know, going into the second half. And and this has kind of been a theme all year. And it's like, I don't know, like all I hear is that our receivers can't get open our receiver or they're not as good as getting open as they were in years past. And maybe that doesn't mean that they're running five yards past guys like, you know, uh, Alave and Wilson were, but you know, uh, Marv has unbelievable hands. I mean, I think that's pretty well known now. Abuka has good hands. (laughs) He has some drops this year, but he has some pretty good hands too. You know, Fleming's a little bit more concerned on the drops, but you know, Fleming doesn't need to be one of these guys. Why aren't we not challenging guys? I mean, with when Alave and Wilson was there, I mean, Fields and CJ last year, I mean, we we really challenged teams down the field. It was like this year, it was like they kind of went away from that. It's like throw up some CJ's a really, really good thrower and he is very accurate with it. So play challenge Michigan's corners and safeties down the field and you know, throw up some more 50-50 balls down there and see what can happen. And they only got they only got two safeties on the field, man. Like yeah, it's just, get vertical. I don't and it just seems like they went away from the vertical a lot this year in different spots, you know, with some exceptions, but yeah. it's like they've really they I mean that that was always the thing, you know, that they always challenge teams out of the field, you know, for the most part. You know, I mean, maybe not as much of the years that we had, you know, Paris and, uh, you know, KJ Hill and stuff like that, guys that were more, but even then, Terry, they used to challenge teams a lot down the field. I mean, that was always Urban's thing is like he would run, 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 and then he'd throw a freaking bomb down the field. And, you know, and it just seems like this is the weird year they went away from it and that they, you know, and it just seems like I think if they would have, challenge them a little bit more in the second half maybe like especially some of those times where they got it in around the 50 like they would get it to the 50 without any problems like go up top and like you know yeah. try to get a touchdown and you know and maybe that helps and and that could be your solve your issues where you know you have issues in the red zone well don't get to the red zone <laughs> you got, right. once you get it to range of the end zone you know the 40 you know take your shots and you know See if you can hit one. And I we, mean, at least, yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say we did forget about a screen pass to Ibuka that he dropped that was actually really, you know, well called, well blocked, and probably would have went, you know, to the end zone with at least a huge gain. Yeah. Um. You know, and then I, I know you mentioned to me sometimes today that there, it seemed like that there was a couple spots where we had some RPOs open, and that you know. CJ just missed and you know and it seems like you know it's kind of weird it seems like I've always said I, you know CJ when you do the zone reads and stuff like that he's not necessarily a good runner but he's a much better passer and it's just maybe they should have practiced some of that stuff is the season they it seems like they didn't do a lot of RPOs this year yeah I don't and know and like it seems like maybe they were holding that back for Michigan and you know and I kind of like you know, and maybe like I, I kind of said, you know, last, uh, you know, the last show that, you know, well, we've ran a lot of different formations, so they should be able to hold different plays back. But maybe in situations like that, if you're going to run RPOs, that is something you probably have to keep 
you got to make sure you're dusted up on, you know, yeah. that there's no rust. So you got to have a couple games through the season where they do them a little bit more just so they're ready for him. Cause a lot of that's timing stuff and you have to get that throw off real fast because you can't risk the offensive line going down the field. And so it's just, just different things like that. Just, yeah, just frustrating. I, yeah. I mean, so we talked about the Ibuka play um, on one of them. I don't even remember which punt it was to be honest with you. I think it was the one that was like, fourth and three from the 49 yard line or something. I guess it was actually supposed to be a fake punt um, was blocked. Well, Michigan wasn't expecting it, but of course, Ohio state snapped it to the punter. Uh, they didn't snap it to the up man, Mitch Rossi that was supposed to get it. So, I mean that, <coughs> excuse me, I was mad. Ryan day didn't go for it there. So that actually could have been something that could have got things going a little bit for them. Um, yeah, I, there's just you know, I, I, I don't know. I <laughs> Marvin Harrison's their best player, and I really think they should have said, you know, Marv, we're not moving the ball great. We're going to do some different things to get you the ball to see if we can kind of open up some of the other guys here. And it just felt like they never did that. It was like CJ. I don't know if he was scared with that safety bracketing. There are different Marvin Harrison. Had, I'm he had his first drop of the year which sucks, but Marvin Harrison has amazing catch radius. He has strong hands. He has very good football awareness, football IQ. I mean, you could have like tried to slant the hell out of, you know, him to start getting some extra yards there. Yeah. You could have done stuff. The thing I think that drives me the, you know, and I, this is not an original thought even. I mean, I did not try now to that. I know that it, it, now that I know there was a fake punt, you know, I thought about this, but I don't know if you said this to me or if I read it on Twitter over the last couple of days that when you hear that they were running a fake punt, like at that point, it's like, why run something gimmicky? Like you literally have CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison junior. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't care if they know you're going for it on fourth down. You should have an advantage there. It's three yards. Like, like you know, come up with something, you know, you know, pack it in real tight and have Marv and maybe one other guy, you know, you know, Stover or something in there and, you know, run line Marv up on the line of scrimmage. I don't care. Line him up as a tight end and, That's what you I'm know, saying. release him. Like, yeah. like you can come up with things to get him the ball. Like I, it annoys me to think that they ran a fake punt at that point. It's just like, well, just go for it on fourth down then. If I mean, right. you know, you're risking a, there's a lot of things that seems like more can go wrong on a fake punt. You know? Well, when you have a backup long snapper, I mean, a walk-on long snapper. Yeah, you have a walk-on long snapper. You're like, you know, whether he's trying to do a direct snap to one of the up guys, which it seems like that's what they were doing, you know, it could still be a bad snap. You got guys that are not used to getting well, and I know it ended up being wide open, but, you know, Rossi does. I mean, how many times has Rossi ran for three freaking yards? You know, like and that would be like six yeah. yards. He's coming from behind the line of scrimmage. It doesn't happen that often. You know, if it's supposed to be the punter throwing the ball, well, that's not CJ Stroud throwing the ball. That's their punter throwing the ball. It's like, you know, these are guys you can't because you can't sneak guys in that are actually ball handlers in there or they're no, uh, the other team's really going to know that you're running a fake, like, you know, mm -hmm. you can't have Marv behind the, as one of the up men, or it's going to be like, yeah, they're definitely going to Marv right there. So at that point, just go for it on fourth down. And, uh, you know, 
like one of your playmakers make a play for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I know on that fourth and five, which we've talked about that, you know, what what time was left in the game. There was no nothing wrong with punting there. CJ wanted the ball though. I thought you have the Heisman front runner, you know, you give him the ball there if he wants it. But situationally, I it was fine that he did it. And it's just I don't know. <laughs> it was a rough game to stomach, man. I mean, you pass interferences, you know, we had Michigan a couple good spots in that third, fourth quarter. Ronnie Hickman has a pretty inexcusable pass interference in the back of the end zone. And I know I, I said that it wasn't catchable. Ronnie Bell did get his hand on it. So you can't, that's all that matters. You, you gotta, matters. you gotta call, you gotta call. It doesn't matter if it's a fingertip or not. He touched it. Um, and then I, I was like, you know, you look back for it. Even if you're back and into the guy as you're looking back for it, they would never call that play or yeah. just push, you know, push him out of bounds, whatever. Like, I just, I don't get like in a situation like that, you know, and I've never played quarterback. I don't know any, you know, I don't know how the hips are supposed to move on any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that would ever, you know, I understand football. But I don't, I don't understand the techniques and that type of stuff with that, with when it comes to that. But to me, this just seems like the obvious thing is, literally, turn around, put your hands up, and back your butt into the guy and start pushing him out that way. Yeah. And as long as you're looking at the ball and your hands are up, the ref can't say anything to you. You're going for the ball just as much as he's going for the ball. So, like, you know, it's fair game at that way. And use your weight to back him out of bounds. I mean, it's like it's like a basketball play. Like, you know, you know, just you don't have to make it look blatant, but at the same time, you're going for the ball just as much as he's going for the ball. And that's fair game. I've noticed just one trend since 2018 minus 2019, and that is our defensive backfield constantly are running into the chest of wide receivers without looking back for the ball. Like that is the easiest pass interference call that you can ever make. I understand you can't always get your back turn. So you got to play the man. You can't play the ball, but you can't run into him. You got to jump straight up. You know, you can't yeah. like, it's an easy you call. Be, it happened to Lathan ransom too. If he would have just looked back, that's an easy interception on that play that yeah. JJ threw, but instead he, he just to, takes the guy out. You got to look at their hands and their eyes. And when they make the move for the ball, like you can't be coming in recklessly when they make the hand move for the ball. That's either when you jump straight up or you turn around and make mm -hmm. the move for the ball too. I mean, that's what, you know, everything I've ever heard about people that teach the position. That's what they say. But I mean, it's like, yeah, these guys just chest bump them. And they're like, oh, he, you were there five seconds before the ball was. There. Right. Yeah, I know. It's like, you can't. Oh, so, I mean, it was ugly. I, I, I mean, I, of course the explosive plays happened. So you can't say, well, if five plays didn't happen, it was a totally different game. Like five plays did happen and they went for long touchdowns. So, you can't say that that's a cop out. Um, but if you did take away those two Edwards runs, I mean, they averaged something like two and a half yards per carry or something. So yeah. Ohio state did do very good against the run, but you, you had to come into it a little bit more balanced than that. I get the whole make JJ throw to beat you, but I think what would have been better 
would have been mixing up different looks and backing out of those blitzes every now and then. So JJ would have had to hold the ball for a second longer because what he saw pre-snap wasn't there post-snap. And this is creativity that Knowles has been doing his whole life, his whole this whole year. And it just was missing this game. It was, And I don't know, like I've heard some people say that they felt like that was in reaction to Ryan Day being ultra conservative, that Knowles felt a lot of pressure. He had to go get the ball back, which could be true. But ultra conservative offense that isn't scoring an ultra aggressive defense that's willing to give up big touchdowns yeah. for the, the risk reward. They don't mesh together like you. You came in with a just a really bad game plan all around. Yeah. And I take nothing away from Michigan. Michigan is a really, really good team. So I know I said, like, Ohio State should have put them away in the first half. They should have. End of the day, Michigan was better coached. They played better. They were more disciplined, and they had the, the players to beat them. I feel like sometimes as Ohio State fans, we are in this place where we don't want to give them any credit for being a good team. They're not the same as Wisconsin's and Iowa's that they don't have athletes that they're, you know, they're well coached. They have, uh, you know, tough, <laughs> stingy defense, whatever. No, these guys have guys that can take it to the house on you. Like you, yeah. you got to be able to have an actual game plan to go against them. Yeah. So, and I do want to hit here in a couple seconds, a couple minutes. I want us to hit into kind of like going forward, you know, because I, you know, I do want to talk about some of that stuff with Michigan, you know, the better coaching, the, you know, they have good players and stuff like that. One last point, and I saw this the other day, somebody posted this. And um, so, you know, this is Ohio State's points that they've scored, you know, against big time teams that they've played. Now, this year's Northwestern team was left off of that. I think the reason why because they sucked, off, they sucked, and you know, and it, it was just a bad. That one literally was. You do have to chalk up a lot to the weather in that sure, game, sure, just because you were literally playing in a hurricane. Um, twenty nineteen, we only scored twenty three points against Clemson. Twenty twenty, twenty four points against Bama. Twenty two points against Northwestern. Twenty one. 28 points against Oregon, 26 points against Penn State, 26 points against Nebraska, 27 points against Michigan, 22, 21 points against Notre Dame, 23 points against Michigan. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I will give some, like the Clemson game, I'm okay with them not getting to the, because Clemson didn't get the 30 points either. So mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, obviously Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, we win all those games, but there's spots in those games where it seems like we should have scored more than 30 points. You know, the Alabama one, I will chalk that up. Everybody knows that's the COVID season. And that was weird. Northwest. But you're 14, like, 14 at a point in that game. Like, yeah, they could have kept know, that game more competitive. You know, the Northwestern game that year though, it's like, it was like Ryan day was doing everything he could not to realize that, Sermon was having a great game. Well, the, it was like, they were going to let you run at 20 yards a clip. And he like, just, he was like, nope, we're going to throw it. If he just ran the ball with Sermon, they easily get over 30 points. And, and Sermon God, runs for what? Like 500 yards in that game? Yeah, 600 yards, maybe. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like they were, they were okay letting Sermon do whatever the hell he wanted. And, yeah. you know, obviously the last two Michigan years, you know, so you're supposed to have one of the best offensive minded coaches in college football, you know, college football has obviously a lot has switched, you know, and it's a lot like the pros, you know, 
there's been a lot of rule changes. There's been a lot of different things that hurt defenses over offenses. Oh, offenses are more dynamic and defenses can't be as aggressive and downright dirty as they used to be able to be in the past. Uh, you know, you can't be going head hunting anymore in football. Um, mm-hmm. How I just don't, I don't get how he can't get the 30 points on some of these teams. And, you know, and that's kind of just really starting to befuddle me because like in a lot of these games, it's like when I really go back and think of it, that Penn state Nebraska games from last year, they probably should have been in the 40 points. Like I, they were easily moving the ball on both of them in spots. And then it was like cross the 50 bogged down. Right. Yeah. yeah I know. Same you thing kick with field Oregon. It was like, they were easily getting it to the 50 and then bogged down and they couldn't move it anymore. So it was like that stuff just, I don't know, it just befuddles me and I don't understand it because, you know, he should be able to get to it. And I asked you a question, you know, I believe yesterday and I said, you know, outside of maybe Georgia last year when they played in the national title game, you know, when Alabama, when Nick Saban has needed to get over 30 points, when has he never gotten over 30 points? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, even in the games he loses, if a team's scoring on him, you know, Alabama, they find their ability to play shootout football. Right. And they go score right with the teams and they lose at the end of the game. And if they're like 40 to 37s or whatever, 54s, the 50, 49, whatever the hell the Tennessee game was this year, you know, it just, it's just really, really weird to me that they just, on some of these teams, I'm not saying on all these teams, some of them I will give credit to that they couldn't get there. But like to me, like, no reason we shouldn't score plus 30 against Northwestern Oregon, Penn state, Nebraska, both times against Michigan, we should have been up over 30. You know, Notre Dame was the first game of the year this year. You lose JSN. They kind of get maybe out. Maybe I'll give us a little bit on that one. You know, Notre Dame came in, you know, ready to play that game, obviously threw everything on the line and, you know, but as that game went on, you realize that they were not as good as Ohio state and, you know, Ohio state scored what they had to score, but yeah, like, it's just, I don't get, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know what to say. You know, I think maybe, and we're going to talk, let's, you know, we'll, I'll let you respond to these, but then we'll like get into some of the future stuff. And, you know, maybe he needs to make some decision on the coaching staff, but you know, just your thoughts of like some of these points, like why can't, you know, yeah, there is no urban Meyer. Iowa's and Purdue's anymore, but Oh, he was the offensive coordinator for those games too. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that, but it's like, you know, I mean, the teams that we're supposed to beat, we definitely beat. Yeah, like for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a lot harder in some of these games than I think it needs to be. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So I, I don't know. There's much that I can, you know, expand on what you're trying to say. It's just like you said, it's befuddling. I mean, you can't. And these games, there are times you start off hot in them too, like. What do you have? 14 points against Alabama in the first quarter, something like that. Like it's tied 14, yeah. 14. You can't get to 30 with your yeah. offense. I mean, you within the first half against Clemson, you jump up 16, nothing. They didn't make that many adjustments to you in 19. You can't get to 30 there. Nebraska and Penn state, quite frankly, weren't that good last year. You were moving the ball. Fine. You can't get to 30. Michigan, you had 10 and a quarter, 20. And I mean, you had 10 in each quarter going into halftime and you couldn't get 10 more points the rest of the game. 
Yeah. yeah. It just and what last year they scored 13, right? They were at it was 14 to 13. 14 13 last year. Yeah. Yeah. Going into halftime. So how's Michigan able to get into the forties and you can't at least get into the thirties? Like, you know, I mean, they just the Michigan has killed them the last two years in the second half. Is so I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Like you said, Notre Dame. Notre Dame and Northwestern. I mean, those ones were a little bit different just because Notre Dame, you know, JSN does get hurt, kind of screws up the offensive game plan. I think he should have been able to figure out something in, you know, replacement of him throughout the year, which I felt like they had trouble with. Um, Northwestern day went and get out of his own way. He just kept throwing the ball, which again, kind of goes into play calling, which we're going to talk about, but I just kind of go back to what I said there though. Like, I don't know. You brought in four receivers and I don't know how healthy any of them were, what happened, why they couldn't see the field at all this year, but it felt like those guys, the frame they had felt like that they were quick slot guys that would be good getting them. Like they could get themselves into space and make plays. And they never saw any sort of like time whatsoever. Jaden Ballard. All we ever hear about the kid is that he has great speed he can blow the top off the defense and that uh, he's improving so much every year, but yeah, he doesn't get any meaningful snaps at all. Like yeah. it's just baffling to me. Like uh, there's obviously some issue and you talked about it that, you know, maybe they just need to go more vertical, like the, all the horizontal stuff or the creating separation, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's not this team. That was Garrett Wilson. And that's Chris Olave because they could do it all. Or that's, you know, Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, because they could do it all. But this team, maybe not so much. But what they can do is they can go vertical and they can catch balls over their shoulders. And they're pretty damn talented receivers. So maybe we needed to try to figure out a way how to do that more with a run game that went downfield. And we didn't do that. But I don't understand how these freshman running backs or wide receivers, excuse me, did couldn't show anything or Jaden Ballard couldn't show anything that they couldn't see the field at all for a meaningful snap. So that does puzzle me. I think there's just some trust issues that go on. I mean, Dallin Hayden got two snaps in this game. The kid, no way he fumbles that much in practice that he had those two last games against Indiana and Maryland that supports him only getting two snap or two rushes against Michigan. And I know chip did well. So this is not attacking chip chip training was a linebacker four weeks ago. And I realized yeah. he was a power five running back before that still looks good. Still looked fast, but Dallin Hayden didn't do anything wrong. Well, as far I mean, as we maybe know, in, maybe in this game, it should have been, you know, and he didn't have a bad game either, but maybe, but he, he's just very limited with his injuries. Maybe should, it should yeah. have Maybe should mine should have just been the emergency back. Yeah. You know, if we need you in this game and they should have just let chip and Dallin, they should have been the go-to backs. And I just, game. I mean, I wasn't expecting them to run the way they did with chip, but I mean, God, he was fresh legs. He was running them over. He was power back. And you know, the stupid thing they did with him was the tosses because, you know, I don't know if he's, he's that guy. And a guy. it was like what that kind of reminded me of is when like Tom Herman, like, in like the first series against there was like an early series against Wisconsin and an early couple early series against Alabama that he tried to do some shifty things with, uh, uh, car, uh, with, uh, shot uh, with 12 gauge, uh, Cardell Jones. And then, yeah. Cardell Jones. And then it was like, realize, Oh yeah, this is not JT bear. <laughs> that just went right. Got out of that real quick. And yeah. it's like, yeah, we're just, we're getting used upfield as quick as possible. 
And I don't know. It was just, yeah. I just, I, I thought Dallin earned a little bit more playing time than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, all right. So a lot of roster yeah. management and a lot of play calling just baffled me. That's all. And with, you know, and you know, but we've talked um, about this. So, so you want to, I mean, I, do I you want to start? Abuka, uh, uh, just real quick. Abuka, he's shown some stuff. He could do some of that JSN stuff. He might be a poor man's JSN, but he could do some of this stuff. Xavier Johnson also showed some of that stuff this year that they could do some of that, you know, horizontal, you know, different things. That is where you put Jaden Baller in the game. You let him go run down the field. And you let those guys kind of play the slots a little bit. They don't always have to play slots. Abuka can also play on the outsides when Jaden Jalen's not in or whatever. Jaden, and so yeah, that's my uh, some of my points. Just going off what you said, real quickly. Got two last things I want to cover. First, just Michigan game going forward, and then Day's coaching staff going forward. So Michigan, you know, I've always said I heard this from Bobby Carpenter a few years ago. There's four things that go into this rivalry. There's recruiting. There's coaching, there's uh, development, and then there's just wanting to have it more. Ohio State's always been in front of them over the last two decades in recruiting. Michigan's closed that gap some, more than probably some, you know, they've closed the gap. Um, the coaching thing, you know, Ohio State, you know, after Lloyd Carr started going down and they, you know, hired Rodriguez and whatever, that, that was, Rich you know, the coaching, the coaching really started to separate themselves. Um, you know, the development, especially since Urban got there, they, I mean, they have been really out developing Michigan. You know, you see it in the draft, you know, almost every year. And then I've always joked around, you know, Michigan has not basically won a game in two decades. And it always seemed like Ohio State was the hungrier team going in there, which I never understood. Like, why is Ohio State like playing like they have not won a game in two decades? Like, they want to win this thing. But now, so, in my opinion, and Bobby always said, you know, Ohio State's basically been, been better than them in those all four of those categories for the last two decades. And, you know, maybe one year, maybe Michigan's a little bit better in one of them than the other ones. But still, the advantage is heavily on Ohio State. Here's what I'll say now. I think that we're still better than them in recruiting. Again, it's a lot closer than it used to be. I think they've tied us basically in development and in coaching, you know, and and I think the want of the game is now in their favor. It seems like they're just hungrier for it. So mm -hmm. it's like they're beating us in there. We're beating them in recruiting. And those two middle things are just their ties or pushes right now. So like Ohio state has, is in, and Michigan is in the momentum probably in those two middle things that they could pass Ohio state with another win. It's like, yeah. you know, they're starting to catch up with them in a lot of ways. So, you know, Ohio state needs to shut that door because like we just said this has been a this has been a series of streaks you know michigan was very early you know everybody when they think about woody you know everybody thinks about the 10-year war that he you know he was you know only he was four and five against michigan in reality he was 15 and nine against michigan throughout his entire tenure or whatever it was you know 16 and 9 15 and 9 i don't remember but you know, then you had the Cooper years where the streak was on their side. You've had the last two decades where it's been us, like whether it's in this playoff and or next year, you know, that door needs to shut now because if you get another loss now in the category, it started, it's going to start 
seem like it could start piling up on you very fast. Well, I'm, I don't, I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think they're that much hungrier than our guys after last year, but I think the coaching took a big swing. Jim Harbaugh got the biggest monkey off his back by beating Ohio state last year. And he finally beat all Penn state, Michigan state and Ohio state in one season this year. That guy, he, I mean, he's just playing with house money. Now he's not a care in the world. His job safe. If he ever wants to jump to the NFL, he'll do it. Michigan will take him back in a heartbeat. If the NFL says no to him again, because they can't get any better than him, which is fine. They can't, but I would Ryan day. Can't Ryan day has a juggernaut as an offense. He can't play handcuffed. Like yeah, you can't be scared to run up the score on them. Yeah. You, you might have an interception here. You might have a punt there. You know, you might have a turnover on downs. Stop with all the little just short yardage bullshit, though. Just ra- take it at him, man. Like, don't yeah. be scared. That's been his undoing these last two years is that he doesn't want to call a mistake in this game. And don't be afraid to. And I think Knowles was overly aggressive and it didn't mesh with what day was doing. So you guys got to come up with a game plan together because if you're not willing to score on every drive, Jim Knowles can't be willing to give up a touchdown on every drive, you know, like it, it doesn't add up together. I mean, those Donovan Edwards ones, I mean, the game felt over probably to you and me watching it, but we even said like, we've seen Ohio state come back before I saw those two Penn state games. Like, nothing's out of the realm of possibility they can do this right you gotta get out eight and i but i and i think he just he felt so much pressure on that 75 yard touchdown that he had to keep them behind the sticks on that first on that first run because if he let them get four yards that gives them their entire playbook to pick up six yards so you get them behind you know you get them to second 10 second 11 they can't run it a second play in a row if they are trying to pick up a first down there. So in theory, I think it was, it wasn't a bad idea by Knowles, but your guys got to get there. But that was the straw that broke the camels back. Like, I mean, there is no more game after that 75 yarder. And then the 85 yard on top of that afterwards, just that's, you know, obviously. And then we've seen a couple of the things that like Ross Bolton and, you know, Bill Rabinowitz has posted and stuff like that. If you're going to do it, you know, I mean, they had the guys there to make the tackles. I mean, but a couple of guys picked wrong gaps and yeah. stuff like that. You gotta, you gotta go into the, you, your guys gotta know what to do. If, and if that's going to be, if you're resting the whole game on that, that you're, then they have to pick the right gaps and shut him down at the line of scrimmage. Well, that's and, the thing. Like they gotta know where they're going. And I, I don't want to get into too much of like go down too many rabbit holes, get off topic too much. I mean, I have felt the last two years, that Ohio state last three years, really like they don't have a dude on defense. And I thought they started to get them this year. Like you started like JT came out. He had that breakout game against Penn state. You know, Tommy's been all over the field felt like Latham was all over the field at times. So it felt like you finally had one on each level of the defense, but they didn't show up in this game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all right, let's hit on just the coaching stuff real quick. Um, this has been coming up a lot in the Twitter feeds. You know, it's been mentioned by some media members. Is it time, you know, he had the big defensive, uh, you know, they 
tore the defense apart last year. You know, obviously you figured the guys that are definitely not going to, anything's going to happen to are probably Brian Hartline and, you know, Justin Fry for sure is a time that start maybe really thinking about not only maybe it's time for a couple of the offensive guys to move on, you know, but at the same time, is it time for Ryan day to actually, whoever is the OC, should they be the play caller and let him take a step back? Obviously Monday through Fridays, he's still going to have, it's still going to be his offense. He's still going to be very much involved in it, but maybe does he have a good enough feel of the game that he can risk not being the CEO and just follow the offensive game plan? Or should he be the CEO talk to the offensive coordinator when he needs to talk to the offensive coordinator, but he needs to be the head football coach. And, you know, kind of like we talked about this when G Scott got that penalty, like I've seen Alabama make stupid penalties before. And I've seen rip Nick Saban walk them back to their seat, ripping them a new one. Like Ryan day. Yeah. He's out of here, but he doesn't go address them at all. And you're the head coach. And you know, is that the time you, you need to, you know, you need to address that to the player. Urban Meyer, which was very much involved in the play calling of the offense, even though he was not necessarily the play caller, you know, even though he was, he's, he would have forgot that he was calling plays <laughs> and walked well, back to the, well, to the bench. I mean, yelling at him. Do you think he's a little flustered there too? And that's why he calls that toss play because like he has to call play afterwards while like thinking about that in his mind. I mean, if anything there, what do you Could call be. like, what do you call like a running back draw or something there when you yeah. got that much field to go, like make them think you're throwing the ball. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just, I didn't, there was no imagination there. I mean, immediately the first thing I thought when I saw that play is, Oh my gosh, he's just trying to get yards back to punt the ball. <laughs> and then he actually like he had two successful passes in a row right after that. But that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, he's just trying to get them like, flip the field a little bit more. Well, that's what I thought too. When he made this like, okay, they're just trying to get back into a respectable so he can at least pin them. And but it's kind of, it's like, kind of weird in a game like that. That it's like on first down, you're like, why are we playing for a punt right here? Yeah. It's like, and then after those two good throws, it was like, and I was, and I said it there uh, when it happened, I was okay with the punt because at that point we do need to play field position. Yeah. The first of 35 is awful, but if he has a different, play call on first down you know like i said <clears throat> they have plays in their playbook that gets 10 to 15 yards if they just run three of those pass plays they can very easily have the first down right and you know no, i know so or at least in a spot that maybe they're fourth and two <clears throat> where it's a just a different thought then it's like okay i'm going for it you know you know i was playing the punt the ball but we're at fourth and two and i'm gonna go for it now and so yeah and i I'm just, I'm really leaning right now that I think that, you know, I've, I'm going to say this and I've said this a gazillion times. Parker has never done enough for me to <laughs> validate that we need a full-time special teams coach. I, I get it. They had two punt blocks this year and that's great. They also had an extra point block that went for a two pointer, you know, against Maryland that, you know, almost gave Maryland back the game. So I, I will say though, when they had the right personnel in for kickoff returns over the last two years, they have got a lot of yards for, from kickoff returns. Igbuka almost broke several last year. Xavier Johnson did a really nice job when he finally got the chance this year. 
and I agree with that. And but I don't see where a but none one none one back to the house though. I don't understand where a part-time special teams coach. I mean, you only run special teams so much, and they're not running it half of the practice. Like you know, you could give Perry Eliano the special teams duties, and even keep Parker on staff to help Perry Eliano <coughs> with special teams. They need another defensive coach for whatever reason. It'll kind of help free up Knowles a little bit more, I think. But even if it's the backup LJ to be your, eventually you're taking over for yeah. LJ as the defensive line coach. They need another full-time, you know, special teams coach. Next point of contention. The quarterbacks come to Ohio state because of Ryan day, not because of Corey Dennis. I'm not saying he's not a good recruiter. I know he does mix it up in recruiting, but Ryan day has to spend a lot of time with his quarterbacks throughout the week. And he's almost like the de facto play caller. He's the head coach, the play caller and the de facto quarterback coach. Right. So <laughs> I think he needs to find a quarterback coach that is going to be the quarterback coach. That is basically 90% of the time during quarterback portion of the practice, they are with them and Ryan day is off doing other things. And um, mm-hmm. so that's the next point. Next thing, whether it's Kevin Wilson or not Kevin Wilson, you bring in another guy. He needs to hand over play calling duties. Well, that's what I said. If Corey Dennis can call your offense, I don't think he can, but if Corey Dennis can call your offense, make him a play caller, but he has to do something more for me to be, you know, for me to think that he should be there. And and I'm not trying to attack the guy's job. It's not like our quarterback production has been great since he's been that quarterback coach because it has, but like you said it, and we know it like Ryan day is the reason those quarterbacks come there. Ryan day is the one that's spending time with him. Ryan day is the one calling the plays like Ryan day needs to be. He has to be able to take himself a little bit away from this to be able to see the game. I think a little bit better on the sidelines when he's doing it. And, and maybe, he, and I could be wrong. Had, and maybe he understands, you know, and maybe if he's doing that and not thinking about the next series, maybe that he's as, as the head football coach, he tells Jim Knowles, like, hey, you know, you need to back off a little bit on some of these, and we need to come up with a little different thought process because mm-hmm. they're starting to kill us and right. stuff like that. And, you know, but he's trying to draw up his own plays. Like, you know, I don't really want to be as aggressive as I need to be as a he- to really push the issue. And I think he should have, but and I think I think you are I think you are right, you know. Knowles' defensive game plan wasn't matching Ryan Day's offensive game plan to the point is if you're not really pushing the issue on offense, you know, it'd be one thing. Michigan goes, gets a touchdown. <laughs> well, they got to go score too. Yeah. I just, and I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe saying Dennis needs to go if he doesn't do more is a little extreme, but I think the minimum Kevin Wilson is I'm, to me, he is a brilliant offensive football mind. And I, I think you should at least give him one year as your primary play caller. And then maybe from there you can move on, see what else you have. So maybe you don't need to make a wholesale change and get a new quarterback coach in there. Maybe Corey does do a lot with these guys, or maybe Ryan says, Hey, you need to do more with these guys for a year. But I think you gotta you gotta start with play call. You got to make some sort of change there who your primary play caller is. Ryan can have veto power and, you know, maybe he'll use it too much and maybe it'll be to a detriment, but 
you at least can give someone else a chance to be up in the booth looking down on the field and that they can see what's going on and they can call plays to what the flow of the game is. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the thing with if you give it to Kevin Wilson, it's still Ryan Day's offense. Mm-hmm. Like Monday through Friday, they're setting this up together. It's their, it's his offense. It's just somebody else calling right. it, the, the plays of it. Because, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, you're on, you know, third and six, you know, there's a lot of things you're thinking about. You're thinking about where are we at in the field? Are we up? Are we down? Like, you know, you know, do we have injuries right now that's going to affect the play call? Like, there's a lot of things he needs to be thinking about as a head football coach that, you know, the play caller, you know, he could say up to Kevin Wilson. Yeah. It's third and six here. You know, we're not, yeah, we're at the 50, but we're not going for it on fourth down because we're up two touchdowns. So I'm yeah. not going to worry about it. This is not four down situation. So find me a play that can get us the first down. And if we don't get it, we'll punt it, you know, but in other situations, it might be, you know, we need the first down, but, you know, you know, we also need to be open to if we don't get it here on third down, we need to get it on fourth down because we're down 10. And like, you know, we need to push the issue here because, you know, Mirko as you know, he's not once he gets to the 40 yard line, he's maybe he's 50% more likely to put it into the end zone. So yeah. I, I can't risk a touchback here. So Let's just go for the first down. And that's different things that you're thinking outside the box as a head coach that you're not necessarily thinking about as the play caller that I'm just trying to get first downs and, you know, and trying to find the right plays and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's time that he really considers that. And it's nothing bad against him. Being your own offensive, being your own play caller as the head coach, it's just, it never works to the point that people think it works. Like, you know, there's only been a few people that have really did it. You know, I, I, you know, I've always felt like it hurt Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and like, it's hurt a lot of offensive minded head coaches that I think you need that other guy in there. That's calling plays. The one thing about Lincoln that I think it helps him. I don't think he even let situation play into it. Lincoln just says, I know my offense. I know what works. This is what we're going to do every single play of the game. I don't, he doesn't try to do like, you know, be the smartest guy on the field. Kind of like what I feel like day does sometimes or day is kind of like maybe his own process to how the flow of the game's going, what he needs to do gets in the way of his play calling link is just kind of like, this is what I do. This is what we're doing. And he hasn't won anything. I mean, so it's not like you can look back and say Lincoln's won national titles. Lincoln hasn't won national titles, but the fact is, since you know, the college football playoff, it started there hasn't been a single head coach that has won a national title and they were calling their own plays yeah and i i know like austin ward brought this up like he doesn't you know was nick saban and kirby smart were they calling plays defensively it's it's a little different but maybe you know we don't know how involved they were with the defensive game plans or not i mean nick might have been saying some stuff at his head but i clearly remember that Kirby was calling the actual. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying that Nick Saban was giving him maybe pointers and different things like, you know, in the headsets and stuff like that. But, you know, Kirby was definitely calling. And I, I think landing was calling his defense, you know, last year for Kirby too. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it does. It takes some pride 
you know, you got to, <laughs> it, it is yep. a shot to your pride that you can't get it done as a play caller when you're an offensive genius, but that's okay. Like someone else can look up, can be in the booth. They can see the whole field and they can just call based off of what the other def you know, what the defense is giving them. Yeah. Um, just going off of this just real quick, and this will definitely be our last thing because yeah. we do need to get. Yeah, we're over. Um, we're over an hour here. So, you know, just thinking about when you say, you know, Ryan Day about being the smartest man in the room. And I have been thinking a lot about that the last couple of days. You know, there's this quote and remember the tight ends when, when he moved, when he brings the beer offense to that's, you know, coach Boone's plays the beer offense. So there, yeah. it's a very thin playbook. And he's like, it's just like Novocaine. It works every time or however he puts it. But thinking about between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer and, you know, and, and obviously urban was always a better coach when he had running quarterbacks and stuff like that. As you, we remember the Dwayne years, you know, but urban never really, and some people made fun of urban for this, you know, like I remember when Ryan day got the job, I remember some of the media members saying, well, it's, it's going to be nice. You know, urban never really schemed to try to take defenses weaknesses and use it against them. Like Ryan day will. But Urban Meyer's thought process was well, like, this is what we are really, really good with. And we're just going to beat you because we have better athletes. And, you know, and we're going to, and like, we talked about this earlier today. If, if, if they ran the running play three straight times, just in the same gap and it wasn't stopped, he would literally rotate from the beat gap on this side to the beat gap on this side. And it's like, yeah, let's see you stop me. I'm, like, I don't care how predictable it is. I mean, we, we, we joked about it. It's like, seems like they've been stopped so many more times over the last two years on third and fourth downs than they ever were in the Meyer era. Like he mm -hmm. literally like, yeah, JT's running right here and okay, go stop him. Or, you know, oh, I mean, you, Hyde, you, you could draw yeah, them a, a treasure map to where JT was going to run to and he would still get there. I'm lining, I'm lining, uh, JT up as the pistol quarterback and, and then the pistol and I'm putting Zeke right behind him and he's either going to hand it this way or he's going to hand it this way, but he's, they're going to get a first down. Right. Like, no, so, I know. Like, and I, and, and I said that on Twitter today and someone actually commented that they're like in the national title game, they ran one play over and over again and yeah. Zeke ran all over Oregon with it. Yeah. And then they mixed it up a little bit in the second half. They added the counter to it. Yeah. It's like they, they took the exact same play. They just did it. And then they went counter and they were doing traps on both of them. They were trapping the guys left and right. And yeah, that's really what they did. And they didn't give a crap and they won football games with it. And so sometimes I think that he does kind of outthink himself. And it's like, you know, when you see chip train, him just running the ball at will. Keep handing the ball to him. Keep running the ball. Right. <laughs> I know. I mean, you're you're gonna average first downs. Just let the guy do his thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just sometimes that, you know, maybe he needs to maybe, you know, yeah, either A get a play caller or B simplify maybe a few things, or C maybe do all of it, you know, get a new play caller and simplify things and just work on what you know you're gonna be become really good in something. And a few things like, you know, urban's passing offense was never as advanced as Ryan days was, but you know, it worked when it needed to work. And, you know, it's because they were a really damn good running team. Well, so and, it, and he got play callers in there that understood how to, you know, call passing plays also. 
Yeah. So. And he did have he did have a good receiver room. He did have a good receiver coach. But yeah, I mean, like Tom Herman and Ryan Day knew how to call passing plays. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we'll leave it on. Uh, just, you know, I think there's just a lot of things to think about. You know, who knows? We uh, come next week. We might be in the playoffs. We didn't uh, even talk about the new coaches in the Big Ten. <laughs> I know. Well, we will do. I mean, we if we don't make the playoffs next week, we might take a week off. Just, uh, you know, rest up a little bit. But we will do. Uh, we will definitely do at least a couple shows prior to Christmas. And uh, obviously we'll do a bowl. Yeah, show. We'll get early signing day in there too. Yeah. If, obviously if they do make the playoffs, that is different, but we will get into the new coaches. I mean, very impressed with both Wisconsin higher and fickle and with Nebraska higher and rule, you know, both very good coaches have both been very accomplished um, and might bring some, uh, you know, some little prestige back to some of the teams in the West. I think rule, who can recruit Texas to do a very good job at Nebraska and Fickle is going to be a very a big time problem at Wisconsin, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. because, you know, Wisconsin can get good players and we've seen that over the years. And I think he will be a very big time problem for some of the Eastern teams that might do a point that, you know, they could win a couple of big 10 titles in here, you know, absolutely. You know, so, all right, let's get on out of here. All right. Well, it hurt this episode. It had to be done, though, for the second year in a row. <laughs> Hopefully it'll stop soon. It's Groundhog Day. Oh, my Again. God. Oh, God. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for stopping out tonight to the Buckeye Bar. I'm John. I'm Mike. O-H-I-O. Oh,